The Lord be with you. One of the twelve, who was called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and said, What are you willing to give me if I hand him over to you? They paid him thirty pieces of silver, and from that time he looked for an opportunity to hand him over. On the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the disciples approached Jesus and said, where do you want us to prepare for you to eat the Passover? He said, Go into the city to a certain man and tell him. The teacher says my appointed time draws near. In your house I shall celebrate the Passover with my disciples. The disciples then did as Jesus had ordered and prepared the Passover. When it was evening, he reclined at table with the twelve. And while they were eating, he said, Amen, I say to you, one of you will betray me. Deeply distressed at this, they began to say to him, one after another, Surely it is not I, Lord. He said in reply, He who has dipped his hand into the dish with me is the one who will betray me. The Son of Man indeed goes as it is written of him. But woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would be better for that man if he had never been born. Then Judas, his betrayer, said in reply, Surely it is not I, Rabbi. He answered, You have said so. The Gospel of the Lord. We have just heard the last Gospel reading of Lent. This is the last Mass of Lent. There is no Mass during the day tomorrow. Lent ends at sunset tomorrow evening, and the great holy days begin. And how interesting it is that this season that began with the cry to repent, to change our hearts, was sounded on a Wednesday where we received ashes on our foreheads, comes to a certain conclusion with the figure of Judas the betrayer before our eyes. As we stand on the doorstep of those great mysteries to which we have been moving through this entire season. This is not by accident. On the one hand, we have the gospel account of what happens just before the Passion begins. But on the other hand as well, the church puts this figure and this activity of Judas before our eyes for a reason other than just lining up chronology. One of the things we see in our readings today is that continued insistence that there will be a designated servant of the Lord. And through that servant, the plan of God will be accomplished. We hear in our psalm that that servant 
who is sent by the Lord will in fact suffer. In Psalm 69, our responsorial psalm today is one of the great psalms of the passion of the Lord. One of the psalms that is referred to in the scriptural accounts of the passion in terms of the being given vinegar, gall, to drink while he is on the cross. We see then in our first reading and our psalm that the plan of God and the movement forward to salvation involves a certain presence of suffering. But until Jesus arrives, we do not know what that means. So we see tonight two activities running at first glance on parallel tracks. Two activities that are rushing to a head. One is the movement begun by God after the fall of man. That movement by which he will save this sin-fallen world. And that movement comes to its culmination, its climax, its fulfillment in the dying and the rising of Jesus Christ. There is no additional movement. There is no further action. This is the action that redeems. But we see in our gospel reading that there is another thread of activity, one that we don't have to look very far to see further indications of, and that is that evil has its own agency, its own activity in the world. And so even as the Lord is moving to the cross where he will redeem us, we see that evil is at work as well as Judas takes the initiative. As Judas steps away from the Lord and from his disciples, visits those who seek the life of Jesus and makes them the offer. I can hand him over to you. What do you give me in return? To the eyes of the world, it is the agency of, G uh, of evil. It is the agency of Judas that causes Jesus to be handed over. To the eyes of the world, it is the violence of the world that puts Christ to death. To the eyes of the world, the power of darkness is what is controlling all things at this moment. But to the eye of faith, the one who controls the movement is the Lord. Jesus is aware of Judas's betrayal, just as Jesus is aware that the Pharisees and the high priests seek his life. Jesus is aware of the unjust, oppressive cruelty of Rome, which will not hesitate to execute those it deems to be inconvenient. It is not those things that place Jesus on the cross. Rather, Jesus, the servant, steps into that entire web of hatred and deceit and violence. And he receives the brunt of it all onto himself. 
on behalf of a world that cannot endure it. And he stretches out his arms on the cross. He is the one who lays down his life that he might take it up again. The world does not take his life. The Lord lays down his life and gives his life. This is the fundamental thing that the church wants us to see today. Even as the world plots to take his life, the Lord came into the world precisely to give his life. And it is the giving that has the authority. It is the giving that saves. Judas, on the one hand, will hand Jesus over to those who will kill him. But Jesus hands himself over to do the will of his Father. Jesus hands himself over for us and for our salvation. And from this point now, we move into the great days of the handing over of Jesus. And as we consider that, now we are left with a much more fundamental and personal question. When the Lord hands himself over to you or to me, what do we do with him? How do we receive him? Do we sell him as Judas does? Do we wound him as the soldiers will? Do we mock him as all too many do? If the Lord is handing himself over, how do we receive him? We know how the Lord receives us. He receives us with mercy in his heart forgiveness in his hand, and a desire to reconcile us. But how do we receive him? What an important question that is, because we're literally going to come forward and receive him in just a couple minutes. Coming forward and stretching out our hands and consuming the consecrated host, the body of Christ, physically, that's easy. And it's easy to do that with reverential gestures. It is easy to do that with a pious bearing. None of that is difficult. It is easy to be physically and apparently respectful. But do we perhaps in our hearts sell the Lord for baser pleasure? Do we lay aside his presence and his goodness for the satisfaction of a cutting word that we say to someone else? Do we sell him to our ambition? Do we sell him into our need to control everything? The Lord hands himself over. The interesting question is, what do we do? Do we hand him away? Do we hand him off? Or do we receive him? 
And so it is that the scene that we have in our gospel takes place at the Last Supper. How remarkable this moment really is. This moment of Judas agreeing to hand over the Lord and then returning to the table where for the very first time Christ gives us himself, his body and his blood, in the great sacrament of this altar. And note what happens at the supper. The Lord hands himself over to his twelve apostles. Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Take and drink. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you. Take, because I give. He hands himself over. And one of those outstretched hands that takes and eats, that takes and drinks, belongs to Judas, who a couple hours later will hand Christ over to those who would kill him. What a sobering, sobering moment this is as we stand on the doorstep of the mysteries. And the church puts this reading before us not so that we feel miserable, but so that we honestly ask ourselves, Will I open my heart to the Lord to receive him more fully over these days? Because these are the days where the Lord hands himself over again to us. Our redemption has already been won, but the Lord always seeks to hand himself over to us for our salvation. The hands that we open and stretch out to the sacrament today are also a reminder of the openness that our heart must have and the willingness, the willingness to, in our own lives, be about not selling the Lord, not handing him away, but holding on to him that his goodness might indeed hold on to us. And how wonderful it is that we on this day contemplate the great mercy of that one who knowing even the evil that lives in the heart of Judas still loves him enough to hand himself over to him completely. This is the love which hands himself over to us today imperfect as we are, sinners though we are, unfaithful as we perhaps have been. He is here because he loves us and he is pleased to hand himself over to us and for us in his love and for our salvation. And what a great moment this indeed is. Amen.